Would you like to become the headline sponsor of the best football manager podcast on the planet next season? Would you like to be front and centre on the Football Manager Show alongside Tony and Aaron and Steve? Would you like to reach tens of thousands of highly engaged FM players every week? Yeah, of course you would. Well, your brand can advertise with us now. Our skilled and charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. The Athletic. everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. FM content creator Work The Space joins us today to talk about how to get the best out of your transfer and contract negotiations in FM23. The Tactics Garage is open for business and as most of us are into Season 3 in the Sheffield Wednesday Community Challenge... We do a little roundup to see how things are going. So let's get started. Picture the scene. You've just loaded up a new save. You click on the financials to check your club's budgets. Perhaps there's an abundance of riches in there. Perhaps it's bleak. Either way, you're going to need to work your magic to make whatever money you've got go as far as you possibly can to ensure that the club achieves whatever success is expected of you by the board. To help you work out how you can use the transfer market to your advantage, we welcome back friend of the show, football manager, content creator, Work The Space. Work The Space, welcome to the Football Manager Show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back <laughs> a little while. Although things have changed around here since I was last here. Well, well, you say that. First of all, you are back, right? So that's your third appearance. Welcome to the executive bathroom, sir. <laughs> So, Jack, how does that feel? It feels special. I mean, I feel like I need to add that to my CV or something at this point. I mean, it should be the first thing on your CV, I reckon. So, um, yeah, you can, you can have that. That's your gift for today, you know, before you even get into... Thank you. Is it lifetime or can it be revoked? As far as I'm aware, we'll need to look into it with HR, but I'm pretty sure it's lifetime. Oh, happy days. But before we do anything, some listeners maybe might not be familiar with your work. So can you please give us a very, very quick roundup of your experience with Football Manager and obviously what it is you do all day? So I started playing Championship Manager two decades ago. Around 10 years ago as a student, I decided some people on the internet might care about my save games. Not sure what convinced (laughs) me that would be a thing. Uh, And 10 years later, I'm sat playing Football Manager for a living. Uh, I stream occasionally on Twitch, I'm active on YouTube, and I quite enjoy Football Manager. That And that's, of course, why we brought you in. That's why we brought you in. Um, what we are going to look at, though, is we're going to look at transfer negotiations and contract negotiations, okay? Now, uh, first question I've got is, you're well-known for Park to Prem, a series on YouTube where you take 
teeny tiny little clubs all the way up to the Premier League. Do you have a preference when it comes to larger Premier League style transfer budgets or the lower slash no budgets of the non-league? I'm definitely someone who likes to wheel and deal. I like to be at a club that has no means of making money except selling players on. I feel like there's a weird sick satisfaction you get as a football manager player when you bring someone in on a free who's been released from a Premier League club until they don't have a career at that level and then you're able to sell them back to you know a team of that stature years later for a lot of money. Yeah, I'm a bit a bit like that as well. I sort of a glutton for punishment almost, isn't it? Going, you know what? All that money is just a bit of a chore. I'd rather just, <laughs> just, just there's too much pressure with all that. Like, like if you were to sort of think about like pros and cons, though, like what's the pro? Is it like, obviously let's say we know it's the challenge. You've got no money, but is there is there fun to be had? Some people find it fun to be had to go. Oh, here's a billion pounds. Go and buy everybody. I mean, look, like a lot of people last year indulged in a Newcastle United save of all the money that they have, and it was quite fun. I I feel like because I do all these lower league saves, by the time I get to the Premier League, all the real players have kind of retired and stuff. So sometimes it is nice just to go start a save game with one of the Giants. Never PSG, though. That's number one rule of football manager. Never PSG. And just sign a load of players and just go a little bit crazy. Nice. But I'm... I'm kind of the opposite. A lot of people know I'm the opposite. I don't like those long-term saves. I like starting at the top. But even then, I'm still looking to get the best deals if I'm bringing players in. If I'm someone who, when it comes to transfers, just offers the asking price and doesn't do any negotiating, what's your tip that people should start doing? Let's start with the elite money level deals. I think a big thing that uh, people don't really realise is that there are bargains to be had. Like Just because you have a transfer budget doesn't mean you have to spend it. One of my favourite things to do it's just go on the player search screen and just look for players with contracts expiring in the next 12 months. So people, obviously, you gravitate towards players who are transfer listed, but very often there are players who have a contract expiring in 12 months. And because the teams know they might potentially lose that player for nothing, you can often get them for their asking price. We've all been in that situation. You see that great wonder kid in Football Manager. You get given an estimated price, then you put in the bid and you know they slap back with like you know double the price you're expecting. But there's just really good bargains to be found there. And, you know, the bargains exist beyond the transfer list. And a lot of people think, oh, if they're transfer listed, they're going to be available for cheap. But yeah, just going into the player search screen and looking at players with contracts expiring in a year before the season even begins can be a really, really good way to pick up some bargains and just add add some early depth to your squad. I'm someone who likes to get all my transfer business done early. And I know, de- you know, deadline day was this big feature. I don't like deadline day. If I'm doing stuff on <laughs> deadline day, things have gone wrong. <laughs> I'm a bit like that myself as well. Saying, I like yeah. getting all that done early. And then, because um, I tend to play, I'm a bit like yourself, Jack. I tend to play lower leagues, which means I get all my work done quickly. And then deadline day is is basically replacing all the players I've lost because we've got very small contracts <laughs> or, or low buyout clauses. So, I'm panicking a little bit when it comes to that. Um, Aaron's just had a little bit on the screen there. We're talking about your um, the, uh, the the transfer values as well. Now, obviously, you're saying there about getting some some bargains. Occasionally, you're now seeing these this sort of thing on the screen that says transfer value between, and then it gives you uh, you know a really small number of like fifty five grand and twelve <laughs> million pounds. So somewhere in between that, there's a deal to be made. Am I thinking? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, often for me, I'll try and lowball teams because teams in Football Manager, the managers in Football Manager, you can kind of pee them off one week and then the next week they've forgiven you or renegotiate. I, I'm sorry, I love to lowball. And I, I feel like people underestimate the strength of the suggest terms button. 
And then it's all about just meeting in the middle a lot of the times. You know, if, in this situation we've got here with Glick, you know, he's asking, oh, you, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Um, just just for the, the audio listeners, he has he not negotiated well there. He's not met in the middle. He said, he, he, he said, here's my offer. They've gone, we want six times more. And then he's gone, you know what, that's fine. <laughs> That's that elite stuff. I saw seven million in the back, and I was like, you know what? Nah, he not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you might have seven million in the bank. You might need that forty k. We could have saved there, like for the next transfer. You never know. Yeah. What, what I'm noticing as well this year, particularly, is is the is when you do that those negotiations. A lot of the the sell on clauses as well instantly coming. Oh yeah, right. We'll sell them for forty for forty grand, but we want forty percent of every fee that's ever going to come after that and that's something you've got to think about potentially particularly if you're in the lower leagues yeah so one thing you can do on that and i swear by this i hate release clauses i will never have a release clause with a player what i will do before i even hit the suggest offer button i'll go to the additional clauses drop down i will then select either percentage of profit or percentage of next sale and add it in but then once it's added all i do then is hit the minus button that's like to the right of it and say remove and exclude and and that way they can't add it in at any point in the negotiations. Like that, suddenly they will never ever ask for that again. And it might mean you pay a little bit more. But there's nothing. I, I'm a bargain hunter. There's nothing worse than when you sign a player for cheap and you're thinking oh, I'm about to sell him for you know a hundred times profit. But you know forty percent of that is going to a team that did nothing to help him on his way. So yeah, just removing and excluding clauses before you begin the negotiations is a good way. If you're like me and you just detest. The idea of clauses of just getting rid of them. Of course, sometimes it can't be helped. You know, sometimes the agents lock it in, and when that happens, if the player's really worth it, I will sign them. I'll, I'll grit my teeth. I'll bear the pain, but I'll try and leave the wage offer I give them uh, in a kind of area whereby, if they have a really good cu- first couple of months at the club, we can immediately sit down, renegotiate, and there's a little bit of room there to you know bump the wage up, but maybe. Whispering their ear, hey, can we get rid of that release clause you were so insistent on because you're so happy at my club? <laughs> so you've mentioned um, agents there. Can they be helpful to you or are they just a hindrance? I find that agents are helpful when the player is already at your club. I find often you're <laughs> battling them, aren't you, when they're not at your club. One of my favourite things actually this year in Football Manager, and it's become a bigger and bigger thing, is obviously the ability to talk to agents. I mentioned the release clauses and... They are just a pain in the butt, aren't they? We've all been there where you have a player that you just feel like, I've just got to lose them now. I've had situations where I go to renegotiate a contract with a player and the agent still locks in the release clause that was already in their deal. And what you can do is you can walk away from those negotiations and then re-enter them. Um, There's like a little kind of drop down under the contract bit when that happens. And you can actually tell the agent, hey, can you be a bit more flexible with your offer? And if the player's happy at your club and you have an okay relationship with the agent, very often you can then immediately renegotiate it and they will then relieve, uh, kind of relieve your, you of the uh, the locked-in clauses like the release clauses. I mean, the, the agents are really good actually this year for, you know, estimating wages, but we have all been there where they go, my client wants between X and Y and suddenly they're asking for Z. And you're just like, well, why was I not informed of this? It, you know, you can feel a bit exacerbated, I suppose, by it all. Mm, yeah, I was going to say that, that again. That's part part and parcel of football, isn't it? I was, I was speaking to someone about this on, on on Twitter the other day, and they were talking. Oh, my player wants four times what he's currently earning. I was like, but is that is that not like a sense that he doesn't want to stay and he wants to go somewhere else? And <laughs> I guess it's the same with transfer fees. People always used to say, oh, you know, this player's 
worth a hundred grand, but I'm being quoted five million pound. But that's the club not wanting to sell. They're wanting to get the best deal out of out of you in order to to move those players on. And where I am, sometimes my players don't even have contracts. We're looking at non-contract players. So <laughs> it's all well and good saying, oh, you know, go and discuss with the agent. I've got to go and discuss with the player's employer to see if he's uh, able to move move towns to come and get a shift over next to me. I mean, that's that's a problem as well, isn't it? Your, your, your player's playing brilliantly. Things are going well. You're flying high in the league and then all of a sudden your midfielder's away to someone else because he doesn't have a contract at all. I mean, on that, so there is a li- little bit of a way you can play around that. And obviously, not many people are in this situation. I think there's not many people who hate themselves enough to do a save game where their players literally don't have contracts. But for those of you out there, um, if you offer that player a contract but have a start date at the start of the next season, so rather than have it set to immediate, you know, you have it set to start next season, they cannot leave in that period between whenever they sign that deal and the start of next season because they've already got the pre-contract in place. Ooh. I'm writing that down. That is, that is <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... And uh, you know what? You can take that to your employer and you can tell him you're not going, right? So you're staying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> now, some of us listening may not be aware that you don't have to pay all of the transfer fee up front. Let's talk about spreading payments. I love Claude, especially if you're like a team on a shoestring budget, but you're kind of backing yourself to be successful. Let's be honest, we all back ourselves in football managers to do well and overachieve. It doesn't always happen. It can sometimes leave you in a pickle. But yeah, just adding in additional fees and then like installments is definitely a great way to stretch your budget. I see some people do the most kind of ludicrous offers. The thing to consider is that it will affect your future season's transfer budgets, any additional clauses. But especially if you're maybe, you know, just a couple of million short of a certain signing, just having the ability to spread payments out over kind of, you know, one to three extra years, it'd be that in 12 free monthly installments or six, six monthly installments, it can be a really, really good way just to free up that budget for that player you're dreaming of. I don't like to kind of rely on it too much because you can find yourself in a situation where in three years' time you've got the God squad, everyone's maybe getting a little bit old though, and suddenly your transfer budget is zero because you've been paying £20 million to various teams like that have just accumulated over the years. But yeah, especially if you're like a newly promoted Premier League team and you know the money is going to be coming in. We've all we've all been in that situation. You know, you get promoted to the Premier League, there's tens of millions coming in and the wage budget hasn't quite caught up. You feel like the, the chairman sat there going, you could have five million to spend. And you're thinking, <laughs> hang on a minute, there's 30 million in the bank here. Where's the rest of it? You know, installments in that kind of instance go nuts with them because obviously in that kind of situation staying up is imperative and you will then get the money to be able to afford all those additional clauses down the line. Mm, there's also a, and it depends upon the type of player as well, doesn't it? Where sometimes if it's a massively important player to the side, you sometimes get, and Aaron hasn't got it on his screen for this one because apparently 31-year-old John Fleck <laughs> is not the player that Middlesbrough need right now. Um, sometimes you get that this might be an important signing and you can ask the board to, Stick a few extra ah, quid yes. in the coffers and go, come on, we need this guy. Yeah, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about this, really, because last time I used that button, I accidentally asked the board at Leeds United to sign, I think it was Mbappe, and then I resigned accidentally. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, j- j- if you are going to use that and the board say, we, we're not doing that, don't threaten to resign and leave. I don't just click through it. Do read it. Take it from a man who, who has learned the hard way. But yeah, sometimes, I very, very occasionally that works, but I find more often than not, it just leads to disappointment. You know, you, you see that button appear, then you think there's a chance. 
and then you ask and then the, the chance is gone. <laughs> As we're seeing here with Steve Gibson, who, who is not happy He's with the, the idea of signing Adam Eder. I mean, he doesn't know Adam Eder's perfect. <laughs> he should be in there. So what? <laughs> resign, resign. If he's not going to back you, resign. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I'd threaten. I'd threaten. If, if you don't grant this request, I'm not certain I'm going to be able to carry on with the job. <laughs> so for those who are listening, uh, Steve has actually given us, uh, he's not happy. Spending a large amount of money on someone who is likely wouldn't be one of our best players is, that would be irresponsible. I disagree, Steve. But we can accept that. We can pretend that um, I'm not disappointed and I do understand. We can try to convince him. We can insist that this is going to be a really important player or like Jack said, and what we possibly might avoid is threaten. But for the giggles, I think we might. Okay, we won't. We won't. We will insist. (laughs) We will insist. And he replied back, with all due respect, your protest won't change anything. Now, I don't think we're going to get the guy. I don't think we're going to get him. Now you're threatening. Not personally, but you're threatening to resign (laughs) from the job. In that case, perhaps you should... Okay. Yeah, so we're going to back down. <laughs> we're going to back down. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> I'm going to slowly back out of Steve Gibson's office at this point. <laughs> Thank you for your time, sir. Because um, you guys are having a great time there with all, all your money right now. Thing is, we're talking about transfers right now. It's not just transfers. Obviously, we need to look at contracts as well. Um, here we are, you know. Uh, some of you, of course, as we just said there, are in this wood-panelled boardroom and... Some of us are having meetings at service stations, non-league level, going, do you want a Twix as well? Would that would that smooth things over if I get you a meal deal? What other contract basics should we be looking at, Jack? You've mentioned a couple there, particularly that one with the, the non-league, uh, the non-contract. I really, really like that. So talk us through some, some contracts, do's and don'ts. Big do. With younger players, do not be afraid to overpay a little bit, but especially if you're a big club, I should I should say. And, and kind of lock in the optional future for a year deal. We've all been in that situation where you see a dreamy youngster and you think, I want them. And maybe because of their age or because of just your finances at the club, you're only able to offer them a two or three year deal. Don't be afraid to add in the you know optional contract extension by club. Stick it at three years, lock it in. And maybe if they're not asking for a lot, up the wages a little bit. For me personally, I'd rather be in a situation where I have a, I don't know, a 20 year old player who's on a theoretically eight year long deal which is maybe a little bit more now but down the line I think he's going to be worth it rather than you know just a couple of years into his current contract contract he comes knocking on the door asking for a lot more and of course if you've got them tied into one of these completely fine contracts as we've seen with Chelsea using them in real life you can just then you know whisper in the players ear hey you've got a lot of time left on your current deal we're not offering you a new wage right now obviously that that can be a really really good thing sometimes if you don't offer enough wages players do get a little bit angry and just storm out but you know, very often players are kind of fickle in football manager. And this applies to any player, especially free agents. If they storm out or ask for too much, don't be afraid to walk away. With free agents especially, the longer they're a free agent, you know, as deadline day approaches, they start to panic. They get cold feet. <laughs> uh, they're breaking out of cold sweat thinking, where am I going to play my football this year? I had a situation actually recently where I had a player asking for £9,000 a week, which when you're Guernsey manager with a wage budget of £70,000, you can't afford to pay players £9,000 a week. So I waited a month and now he signed for me on £4,000. And yeah, sometimes patience is key. And I know know it can be a bit of a game of chicken, you know, you don't want to leave it too late. But especially when you're haggling contracts with free agents, it can be just vital. Mm, Absolutely. There's a a little tip as well that that I quite like, again, particularly for, for for the... particularly for the non-leagues, but it works as well at the elite level. Um, Aaron, if you just pull pull the contract back up again, please. Yeah. There's a little button, which I think we some of us just sort of like wash over 
I never really think about, but the unused substitute fee, take that out. Ah, uh, yeah. Take that out. Like, save yourself some money, Like especially if you're in the non-leagues. Like, you're, you're going to be racking up player wages for a player that's sat on the bench who might not come on. And also as well, I, I, sometimes I have to look, and you might be the self, same as with, with myself, Jack, having to look at players going, I can't afford to bring this lad on because if he comes on, I incur another appearance fee. Um, so you might have to sort of keep those two two sort of uh, numbers in mind. But I guess if you're, you know, one of the elite clubs, you can maybe afford to pay for someone to sit on the bench in addition to their, their actual wage, right? Yeah, I mean, my guilty pleasure area is I'm from the school of Neil Warnock. I don't put a goalkeeper on the bench. So any backup goalkeeper <laughs> can have the biggest unused sub appearance fee they want in the world. You know, I'm going to have seven outfield players on the bench. So second choice goalkeeper, yeah, you can have £5,000 if you come on or if you make the odd appearance here and there. But uh, yeah, you can definitely use clauses in that way to really suit you. I, I see some people who will swear by the idea of always including a zero pound relegation release clause if they're a massive club or they're feeling confident. I feel like that, that doesn't work as well as it used to, but little things like that can work well. You know, if you're, I don't know, in the fifth tier of English football, you, you can tell a player, hey, if you make an international appearance for England, we will give you a wage of, it's like, here's what you could have won, but you definitely won't win. Like the, hmm. And to be honest, I think with those kind of things, how effective they are is probably up for debate. But equally, the option's there and you're probably not going to risk a lot by just including it. It might just help you, you know, sweeten the deal a little bit. Don't overpromise as well at the start when you've got your promises <laughs> button. Don't say, we're going to upgrade the, the, the coaches. Don't say, we're going to upgrade, upgrade the training facilities. Don't say, we're definitely going to get promoted because if you don't, that player's going to want to leave, isn't he? I had a situation recently where I may or may not have promised seven players I was going to improve the training facilities. We had a great promotion season. I'm happy as can be. You know, we're popping the champagne. Hit continue once. Next day, seven players were unhappy you failed to upgrade the training facilities. Wow. I'm sat there thinking, I've asked the board. They've said, no, it's not on me. They're not having it. So, yeah, do watch the promises. Sometimes promises are made to be broken. And, you know, if it is going to be the difference between the player signing or not, sometimes, you know, a little white lie promise never hurt anyone. But, yeah, you don't, you don't want too many unhappy players at once due to just promises that you can't really keep. <laughs> I've actually had to learn from this mistake. So I was managing in Sweden and the same thing. I've given this guy a ridiculous international wage budget because I'm thinking he's never going to play for Sweden. And then Sweden came knocking on the door and I thought it would be a smart idea to actually call up my own players, completely forgetting I've given this guy that promise that whenever he makes an international uh, appearance, he's going to get the most ridiculous wages. So now I've got like a 19 year old sitting. He's the most, play he's the highest paid player and he he's not even the first team at our team. So yeah, make sure you do keep an eye out on those promises. But as we look to bring this section to a close, what's the one golden piece of advice we've not mentioned so far that you would give regards to transfers on contract negotiations? Oh, you've put me on the spot there. What would be my, yes. my golden bit? I, mine would actually be, don't be afraid to mess up a negotiation because players can be quite forgiving, especially if you have free agents. If you annoy them a little bit, you can offer them a trial the next day and then when they join you, they'll talk again immediately. But yeah, don't be afraid to just mess things up and give it a little bit of time. And patience is key. Like, if you've got a figure in your head for this is how much I want to spend on players, unless, you know, the player is the next kind of greatest player in the world, it's usually best just to stick to those current budgets because, 
you don't never want to be in a situation where, say, all your players are on £4,000 a week and there's this new key player on £8,000 a week who's available. You sign him, suddenly all the other key players are looking around thinking, hang on a minute, he's on double what I'm on and we're the same squad status. And you can find yourself in a situation where players who have only just signed new deals are suddenly asking for more money because of the players around them. So I definitely think for me, the one golden bit of advice would be really do kind of manage, I suppose, your squad's overall wage structure. Don't nuke it for the sake of one or two good players unless you can afford it. Does that rule apply as well when you're adjusting your um, budget? I know that's something that we haven't touched on and I know that's something that a lot of people use, adjust your budget. Is that something that we should also handle with care? Uh, no, always slide it all the way to the left. Go at all in wages, <laughs> then just rely on free transfers. Bargain on people, it's the way of the future. You don't need that £7 million transfer budget. If you can't do it free, you can't do it right. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. uh, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way to pay football manager, but in this instance, in my opinion, there is, which probably isn't worth a great deal. Sounds perfect. Jack, an absolute pleasure having you back on again. Um, if people want to find more of your work, where can we find you? If you just Google work the space, you'll you'll find me across the internet, I'm sure. Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, not Instagram. Maybe I should be on the Instagram. You know, I feel like there's a niche there for football managers <laughs> that's not being fulfilled. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's the one space where, it, where there's not a lot of uh, of FM content. But um, yeah, do go and check Jack out. Obviously, do make sure you check up on Park to Prem as well. A fantastic series, which I'm sure you'll all very much enjoy. Work the space. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to go use the bathroom now, if that's yeah, okay. Please feel free, mate. Wash those hands. <laughs> I will. I will. Sing happy birthday twice. <laughs> You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. As things stand, there are two front runners in the bid to own Manchester United. And if you want to hear a little bit more about the potential ownership battle surrounding one of the Premier League's elite clubs, check out The Athletic where Laurie Whitwell and Adam Crafton break down the latest on the suitors who may be looking to own a piece of the Red Devils. And if you've never subscribed before, you can currently get an Athletic subscription for £1.99 a month for 12 months. To do this, visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Ian Irving here, host of the world's biggest Manchester United podcast, Talk of the Devils, brought to you by The Athletic, of course. It's the most exciting week of football for the club in years, with another league victory teeing up the Barcelona second leg and the League Cup final on Sunday. So make sure you join me, Andy Mitten, Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker for this week's episodes. There's Takeover Talk in there, of course, too. Just search for Talk of the Devils on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. Welcome everyone to the Tactics Garage. Now, following the debut of Tony Tactics last week, it's time to pass it back to the Tactics Guru himself. Aaron, what have you got for us? So, we've got a a 4-2-3-1 from Reds7 on Twitter. I'm trying to push Brandt into midfield while I have the ball so Guerrero can create width on the left. I'm also wanting a back three when in possession and my right winger to create width on the right hand side to compensate for the right back staying back. I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. Okay, so what have we got in this tactic and how does it look? 
uh, it's possession based in goal. He's got a standard goalkeeper, which is something that we automatically might change. Um, at left back, we've got a complete wing back on attack. The two central defenders, the left hand side, we've got a central defender on defend. The right hand side, we've got Matt Hummels as a ball playing defender. The right back is the full back on defend. Important because obviously he wants to create width on the right hand side by using the winger. In midfield, we do have an anchor man and we have a defensive midfielder on support. The attacking trio would be an inside forward on the left, a shadow striker in the attacking midfield and a winger on support on the right hand side. Lastly, up top, we've got a pressing forward on attack. Okay, so fairly standard fare, you would think. Like you look at that and you go, okay, 4 2 3 1, that's going to work pretty well. Now, we were looking obviously at, at sort of what we can do to to improve this and I know I said that I'm going to give it to you Aaron but I think Tony <laughs> Tactics is just uh, something's <laughs> bubbling up inside me there's there's something I'm looking at straight away that I'm like there's little like my spidey senses are tingling <laughs> like I love the double I love a double pivot in yeah. in in FM23 okay like, the anchor man and defensive mid for me the DM on support that's not quite playing it for me I'd like to go with an anchor man yeah. and Maybe some sort of playmaker, and it's Jude Bellingham. Let the boy yeah. roam, <laughs> roam playmaker, surely. Yeah, exactly. And especially if we look at his um his profile, he's got player traits, gets into the opposition area. He likes to play his way out of trouble. So I mean, we've got a very good deep playmaker. I think that is one thing that's missing from this tactic here. So in the deeper areas, we've got a centre back, a ball playing defender, a defensive midfielder on support, and an anchor man. That's kind of the box in the deeper area. And really, you've only got one ball playing player here and you really want to progress up the field you're already operating with a slower tempo as well um for again for those who are listening the team instructions has got shorter passing but the tempo is also on slightly lower so everything's a bit slow and defense midfielder he looks to slow things down and then you've got an anchor man again looking to slow things down so straight off the bat i would change bellingham possibly a roman playmaker and that also bridges the gap between the midfield and the attack as well now we've got a nice balance of ball playing players here. So we've got a ball playing defender, a Roman playmaker, but then we've also got people that like to play safe and recycle the possession, like an anchor man and a uh, central defender. Mm, yeah, I was going to say that was the little thing that was jumping out of me going like, give Hubble yeah. some, someone to pass the ball to. If he's going to be the ball player, give him someone to pass the ball to. Don't put it like, you know, five yards in front of you and then slow the play uh, back down again. Now, um, that's my thing. I'm out at this point, Aaron. Now it's back over to you. <laughs> so in terms of what he actually wants to do, so he's trying to, uh, he wants to build up with a back three and he's, he's got that spot on, I think. He's got a fullback on defend who's literally just going to stay in line with the two central defenders and then he's got the complete wing back constantly given the width on the left-hand side. But there is another role that I would possibly change and that is the inside forward. Now, I can see here you can create a box in midfield. So let's say Rafael Guerrero has advanced up the left-hand side. And then what you can have is your left winger actually cut inside. I'm guessing that's the point, given you're using the inside forward, but inside forward mainly runs directly towards goal, whereas the inverted winger will kind of look to overload and go into that central attacking midfield area. So that's, again, another thing that I would change, possibly use an inverted winger on support on the left-hand side, and then you get a nice little box shape in midfield but also the right winger as well I would put him on attack I think your attacking line there could be more penetration there you've got the shadow striker and the pressing forward but the shadow striker will still try and be involved in the build-up and linking up with players I feel you have space for another player to penetrate the space and I think that's where the winger on attack can come in play here on the right hand side and he will just 
drive towards the byline, put balls in for your shadow striker and for your pressing forward as well. Mm, yeah, I was going to say, like for, for a team like Dortmund, who are used to being on the front foot and playing off the front foot, yeah. it, it is, it, on the face of it, it's quite a conservative formation, really. And there's something as well that I'm looking at. Like, So when you were sitting there about moving this this inside forward into an inverted winger, is yeah. that gonna is that gonna potentially clash with the instruction where he's got here of of the underlaps rather than the overlaps? So you're looking to play the ball inside, but you're also got your complete wing back on attack who's actually looking to go outside. So yes. would that would those players then run into the same space or would you maybe have underlap on one side and overlap on the other, or maybe just leave it blank and let the complete wing back do his own thing? So there's obviously different sections of your your play in possession. So you will have your build up, you will have the middle third, and then you will have the final third. So when you're in um, building up and in the middle third, what you will notice is no matter what the role is, whether it's an inverted winger or inside forward, they will start their position actually fairly wide. And then this is where, you, as you can see, the approach play. So the underlap and the overlap, that's kind of your middle third approach. That's how you're trying to approach the final third and this is where I'm guessing he wants these underlaps to happen so let's say he's building up on the left hand side he's got Brandt with the ball on the left hand side holding up the ball on the left hand side and this just allows Guerrero instead of to overlap make an underlapping run and get into those central areas because he's also focusing play in the uh, middle so he really wants to get the ball into those middle areas and affect play in the middle areas and then you can notice on your final third so football manager kind of split it themselves right so you've got the attacking width on the left hand side then there's a little border then in the middle it's approach play and passing directness and then again on the right hand side you've got final third so they've actually kind of try to split it for you there won't be a clash when Guerrero is trying to underlap but what is going to happen is that Julian Brandt is actually going to hold on to the ball and kind of slow play slow play down again given in fact given you're in the Bundesliga and the, the league's kind of a physical league and people play at a higher tempo I actually do feel the tempo as well can increase slightly lower I mean it's a, again a physical league you're going to come up against teams that want to press, press and try and win the ball back from you. And in order to play with a slower tempo, I mean, you really, really need some very good players who have ball control, balance and composure. But with me, I would possibly just go with a standard tempo here and just speed things, speed play up a little bit. Because again, positive, the mentality again is composed and trying to slow play down, patiently waiting for an opening. Whereas I think we can speed things up a little bit more. Yeah, especially he's got that. Um, they've got the uh, be a bit more expressive text on, yeah. uh, ticked on as well. So, if you are wanting to be expressive, but you're playing the ball at a really low tempo, it does mean that you're looking for these opportunities, but exactly. you're not really recycling the ball as quick as you possibly can. And um, one thing that leads me on to this as well, and you sort of touched upon it a little bit um, when you first started going through the formation and the positions. So he's playing with a high defensive line and. On the tactic itself, it's a it's a custom vertical tick attacker um, style he's using. Now, high defensive line, brilliant. We love that, okay? You could sometimes look to maybe drop off more if you feel as though that line's a little yeah. bit too high. But he's also got a goalkeeper on defend. Now, that, <laughs> am I right? Am I right, Aaron? That's going to cause a big disconnect, isn't it? If your goalkeeper's staying on his line and those those defenders are away up the pitch. Yeah, it's it's especially with your goalkeeper as well. So a goalkeeper, they have rushing out and they have a tendency. So Cobell actually, he could possibly get away with it because this goalkeeper has a high tendency to come out off his line anyway, to react 
to through balls, but what you do want is a good starting position. And you always you just want to help your teammates and your players. So I would again just use a sweeper keeper because starting position, he's going to be around the edge of his box rather than starting on his goal line and then having to rush out. If he's around the edge of his box already, then rushes out, he can get there before an attacker. And especially if you're using a higher defensive line. But now looking at this out of possession um, instruction, the trigger press is on slightly more often, which is something that I possibly increase as well it seems like he's going for a something that's very balanced he seems like he's trying to balance reward uh risk with safety as well he's trying to balance it out but that could actually cause issues so here with the trigger press what he's got is everybody not everybody he's got a high press so the attackers are going to lead the press he's got a high defensive line but he's not actually having players leaving their position to close the ball down so <laughs> it can actually just be, this can actually have a negative effect where it's just going to leave space. You, you would want people to close down spaces, leaving their position to put pressure on the player. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be the extreme of much more often everybody leaving their position at any given time, but you would want people to leave their position to put pressure on the opponents for you to win the ball back. Again, you are possession based. And the main thing about possession base is that you are in possession. Mm, yeah, no, that makes complete sense as well. And especially when you've got that counter-pressing ticked on yeah. as well. If you're counter-pressing but quite slow, then yeah. you are going to get caught out of possession. And again, he's got to distribute quickly as well on the ball, but then with a goalkeeper, but then it's straight to that <laughs> slow-down tempo. Now, what yeah. was interesting as well with, with, with Corbel when you clicked on him, his actual preferred position is sweeper-keeper on attack. So you've got this player who's used to having a high starting position, used to getting involved, very high tendency to rush out, and you're telling him to sit on his line. That's surely going to cause a bit of disconnect for the boy, yeah? Absolutely. And, and you're also looking at the other attributes like passing. He likes to pass the ball as well. He's got decent vision for a goalkeeper, technique as well for a goalkeeper. You kind of want to get the strengths out of him. And this is sort of, this is something that I always um, advise people. So when it comes to things like uh, distributing the ball, if I'm sharing a tactic, it's very difficult for me to say like, this should be the way to build up from the back using your goalkeeper because every goalkeeper is going to be different. Some are going to be good at kicking it long and some people are going to be good at throwing it or passing the ball. It's something that you really have to keep an eye on as well. And especially a goalkeeper that kick, don't be scared to kick the ball long. Even if you're using possession based, it's one way you can just kick the ball long, counter press, win the ball back and then you're back in possession again. So it's one thing to always consider your goalkeeper, which way is the best way to distribute using his attributes. Mm, and of course, with someone like like Dortmund, you've got options on the bench. You've got Sebastian Haller. You can <laughs> kick the ball long if you want to. You know, like you can do, you can start with short passing, but if it, you need to dial it up a little bit as the game goes on, stick Haller on there, ping it up the top. Exactly. Yeah, so sometimes you're maybe going to have to change things up, aren't you? You might have it like, you know, passing short, but towards the end of the match, Get it, get it long. Yeah, absolutely. And even down to your tactics, just look at if you're struggling to break teams down, you can kind of look at it from your perspective. Where's the best players on your side? Now, in this tactic, this formation, clearly the left-hand side is the strongest side. If you're struggling to break teams down, is just try things out. Try and focus. He's got focus, play through the middle. Then just try and focus it down the left. Try and give the other team something else to think about. And remember as well, don't be afraid to untick a box and yes. leave it to the players to make their own decisions they're smart players they should be able to figure it out at the elite level now that was a lot of fun thank you very much for sending that one in and hopefully we can uh, hopefully obviously what we've said there uh, has helped if you want your tactic looked over in the tactics garage do us a favor 
tweet us at Tony Jameson at RDF Tactics or send us an email at the Football Manager Show Pod at gmail.com. Screenshot the tactic, but more importantly, tell us what's wrong with it. Maybe next week or in the future, we'll be looking at your tactic in the Tactics Garage. And now it's time for the community challenge. Very quick run through again of those tiers and rules, please. Producer Steve. Hello, everyone. Well, what a lovely show that we have had so far. Isn't Jack a nice lad? Yes. He's lovely. He's lovely. And he did wash his hands twice as well. <laughs> we checked. We did check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, so uh, as Tony says, the rules and tiers of the community challenge. Very briefly to remind you from top to bottom, our platinum top tier is... Get to the Premier League in three seasons with only signing players and staff from Yorkshire. And before you're in the Premier League, you win a cup to get into Europe. So that would be the League Cup or the FA Cup. Gold is get to the Premier League in three seasons with only signing players from Yorkshire. So that's a bit easier, but still quite difficult. Silver, uh, which Aaron's doing, as we discussed last week, (laughs) due to a uh, real misunderstanding. Quite frankly, like... Hard to understand misunderstanding of of, of the rules. <laughs> Silver Premier League in five seasons, signing whoever you want, mainly people from Kings and upon Thames, by the sounds of it. Yeah, undertake <laughs> your geography GCSE as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and our final uh, official tier is the bronze, which is take your time, chill out, be free, try not to get sacked. But easier said than done. We're finding. Um, and what are our key rules? Beyond that, Aaron, I think the reason we're getting you to read this out this week, I think to be clear for those people who um, listened to, la- to, to the last episode, and if you haven't listened to the last episode, go and do that because it's great anyway. And you just might find out where Kingston is. <laughs> <laughs> Only sign Yorkshire men as players and staff. We follow the grandparent rule. If the player has a grandparent or parent that was born in Yorkshire, or indeed they themselves were born in Yorkshire, you can sign them. Or if they've been at a club for five seasons, they can take their Yorkshire citizenship. For an example, Barry Bannon. Okay. And also, as we have mentioned, um, in the Discord, you can find a very helpful filter that Aaron has put together for us for um, players that are... I hesitate because, in theory, they're players that are from Yorkshire, but there are a few sort of quirks or ghosts in the machine, aren't there? Yes. Um, so look out so, for Kingston because it will be any Kingston yes. on the planet <laughs> just make sure where to uh, check out double check where the players are born if it's just to make sure you've got the right Kingston basically yeah, right Kingston yeah, um, Kingston upon Hull or you can have <laughs> Kingston upon Humber or you can have Kingston upon Thames or Kingston Jamaica so there are options um, the filter is very very handy if you've got Google Maps open at the same time <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yes, anyway, so, um, but we do appreciate it. Thank you very much. So anyway, on to the correspondence from you guys. Ruzio has returned and is on season three, but is finding it tough, which I'm sure many of us feel the same. Um, they've managed to re-sign a few players like Iekwe and Bakerson, but Josh Windass, one of the big um, guys, he's come a few times, hasn't he, Josh Windass? So Josh Windass left at the end of the contract and he's still a free agent, so he's not. It's not as if he had anywhere else to go to. He just didn't want to stay at Sheffield Wednesday, which is tough <laughs> to take. Um, in terms of signings, he's only been able to do free transfers. So Caden Jackson, a pacey striker to replace Windass, and Isaac Heath, Leeds-born attacking midfielder who came through at Everton, 
And they're both, so Rizzo's playing them, but they're not really at championship level. So he's currently, they're currently at championship level now. So transfers, etc., have been difficult, as many of us have found during this challenge. In season three, it started fast and even led the league for a couple of weeks, which is always fun, isn't it? Quite early on. But then the usual stuff happened. Injuries started decimating the tiny, tiny squad that they have. Stupid mistakes from the defence and goalkeeper costing them games. And the board takeover, put in um, quotation marks with dread, I think, um, that started in October of that particular season, has just fallen apart. The result of that is no transfer budget and they're currently 10k over the wage budget. Obviously meaning can't bring any more players. However, Ruzio is still on track for gold if they can get promotion, but it is slipping further and further away. So they're currently in 11th. However, they're only six points off the playoffs at the moment. So in a 21 games, 22 games played at this stage in the season, the championship being how it can be, that dream of promotion is by no means over yet for Rizzio. But, you know, heavy going. Yeah, and to be fair, he's in the championship. You know, I'm still in League One. So <laughs> you've got, you know, you're already, you're already way ahead of I am. So, mm. so there's that to be proud of. And, um, yeah, also he's mentioned there the, the whole, the whole prospect of a takeover. I think that's been a, cor- a common theme with this challenge. Obviously, there is no money to spend and there is talks of takeovers. Now, Numero Uno Liam has had a board takeover, but it's Stuart Donald. And as a Sunderland fan, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm not going to offer any comments. <laughs> we have Beely35 in Discord, Silver Challenge update. He knew he would do something like myself, so he didn't go platinum or gold. It was a strong first season. Second season started really well. Dropped off and battled against a really strong top four, ultimately securing a playoff spot. Only made a few signings, most of which are loans, but Jack Stevens signed at Christmas and Sariki Dembele at the start of the season have been good acquisitions. Core of the squad is the same and great to see Smith, Ayofo and Bannon performing well this season. Not confident going into the playoffs, Norwich are absolutely ridiculous. Disappointed to see our rivals winning the league, although what a double header that could be next season in the Premier League. It is the hope. Kills you. So in the first season in the Skybet League One, he dominated the league 101 points, winning 31 of the 46 games. Now in the second season in the championship, he did finish fifth, playing 46, winning 25, getting 86 points. So he done really, really well in the second season in the championship. I mean, the other teams were just really, really strong. Four teams getting over 90 points. Michael Smith scoring 37 goals. Absolutely crazy. But good luck in the playoffs. I've got your back. I've got your back. We've all got your back. And if you are playing the challenge, the, basically we are trying out to get to the end of season three. Some of our managers, of course, are now into season four. We're going to try and put maybe a five-season cap on this, we think. See if anyone can get to the Premier League. I'm sure there's one or two who can manage it. Now, time for other correspondence, not related to Sheffield Wednesday. Salty BFM gets in touch and asks... Is signing top-rated staff important or is it just as viable to sign former players I remember from the 90s? (laughs) (laughs) I think it depends what you really want to get out of the game, isn't it, really? I mean, as I think I've mentioned on the show many, many times before, I'm obsessed with hiring staff. However, the one that probably 
fills me the most joy in terms of staff highs that I've had over the years was signing Dennis Burkamp as an attacking coach for Arsenal because that was just oh, yes. So, <laughs> I don't know. It depends what you kind of want out of it, really, isn't it? Yeah, I had, I had Bergkamp as an, as an assistant manager uh, in Norway last year as well, and that made me feel really happy. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to my uh, training stuff, I kind of go for the best rated. But when it comes to scouts, though, that's when I start to get my Carl's Puyo, Eric Abadalos oh, and things really? like that. Yeah, with my scouts, because they can spot them, right? Yeah. They can spot the next Carl's Puyo, surely. Yeah. That's my thinking. Maybe that's lovely old job. <laughs> maybe, I had, maybe, I had, maybe that's another podcast in itself, to be honest. Try and look at staffing. I mean, that is, I mean, as discussed, I will absolutely, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised I haven't tried to force through the issue of doing a staffing episode um, <laughs> more, uh, more, more quickly than we have already. But yes, um, I also had on, I'm sure Tina said, Marcelo Bielsa as a senior scout. So he just roams around South America finding me one of the kids. It's a lovely old job. I did in my head, I'm like, I go over to, you know, Argentina or whatever, and we just sit for hours talking about football. <laughs> and he's like, this player, this player, this player, you know. So uh, that is a lovely question. It is. And talking about making a nice pod episode, we've got Zahir, who thinks this will also be a nice podcast episode. How to get your team ready for a new league after promotion. How do you guys do it? See, I'm going to leave this with Tony, purely because, a bit like yourself, Aaron, <laughs> I don't really... Uh, I can be a bit of an FM save snob and I'm not sure I've yeah. done that many promotion campaigns because <laughs> partly because I find the Football League just such a slog. To be fair, to be fair, it, it ties in a little bit with what Jack was saying earlier on in the episode. I, get your business done early. Look at players who have overachieved for you that season. Look at players who aren't going to play next each season and sometimes you've just got to be ruthless and get rid of players who you might you might love but you know that they're going to hold you back when you go into that uh, into the the next division. So um, yeah, I think that's a great episode actually for for, for planning uh, promotion and also let's not forget relegation. Oh, <laughs> if you still got the job, <laughs> you'd have thought as well. That we'd, well, quite yeah, yeah. You'd have thought as well. You know, having done a community challenge which involves multiple promotions, we'd have um, thought of this, wouldn't you? You know, how to I prepare haven't, people. I haven't for... had to worry about promotion just yet, Steve. So it's not my <laughs> how have you all done it who've been getting in touch and saying you're doing yeah, really well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. promotion. Uh, yeah, exactly. no, well, one thing I do is that when I, I knew we was going to win the league around five games left to play. So, like, the last five games with my tactic, I just gave a new idea. So, try because obviously the exact same tactic is not going to work in a division above. So, yeah, I'm kind of working things, just reducing things. So, it could be my, my, my mentality. If I'm playing out from the back, I might just remove that and then just play the last five games of the season to see how it goes. And I mean, if we win those five games, I'm like, yes, we're ready. <laughs> but if we don't, then I'm sort of panicking. Oh, interesting. So if you get into the position where you're potentially running away with it, you'll sort of almost be, it's almost like a sort of quasi pre-season near the tail end. Yeah, but yeah sort of, yeah, know. pre-season, yeah. But obviously yeah. if you're in sort of struggling to scrape into the playoffs and then you're in playoffs mode, obviously that's a luxury you can't afford. Yeah, it's a bit of... But, yeah. uh, but no, you're right, that is a good episode. So we should... Uh, look at doing that in the future and not talk about it anymore, maybe. Um, <laughs> so our final bit of correspondence for today comes from Fred Schlichting, who has written in to our brand new email address. So thanks very much, Fred. Um, Fred says, hello, Tony, Aaron and Steve. First time listener starting with last week's podcast. So that was our episode last week, which is one <laughs> episode back down the feed from here. So welcome, Fred. Welcome to 
the show. Because I just started listening, you'll hopefully forgive my late entry into the community challenge, which we absolutely do. So obviously, as Tony has said, you know, people are sort of at season three, coming towards the end of season three now as we move the pace on. But if you want to start now, fill your boots, you know, go at your own pace and do keep us keep letting us know where you're at with stuff. Fred continues to say, however, I would like to participate in the separate Kingston challenge that RDF inadvertently started. (laughs) (laughs) Because Fred, now obviously this would come up in the filter, uh, Aaron, um, but Fred was born in Kingston, New York. We're actually going to do this, aren't we? Something's going to happen. We're going to have some sort of challenge. The Kingston challenge, some sort of Kingston challenge. Fred has floated that idea. That is interesting. So the demand is there. The people want it. We have to think about something to do, don't we? We have to think about something that we do. Faithfully and distributing quickly to my centre-backs from Fred. So thank you very much, Fred. What a lovely little note there from a brand new listener. I appreciate you. Love that. Love that. Welcome in. And of course, yes, the Kingston Challenge was born. Um <laughs> As always, as always, we appreciate all of your correspondence. You can, of course, get in touch via Twitter, which is at Tony Jameson and at RDF Tactics. Or if you want to be like Fred, send us an email to our brand new email address, the FM Show Pod. That's the FM Show Pod at gmail.com. All correspondence is welcome. Of course, the FM Confessional is waiting for you. And if you want to bring some tactics to the Tactics Garage, remember, tweet us or email us a screenshot of that tactic. And more importantly, what is wrong with it? So just a reminder, the email address is thefmshowpod at gmail.com. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guest today was football manager, content creator, Work the Space. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. The Athletic.